Well, folks, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast, episode number 48. I'm very excited about our guest here today. Rich Babbitt has been a friend and a partner in ministry with Noble Warriors since the very beginning. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story. As I was starting Noble Warriors, I was going around to reach out to churches and pastors. I went to what was then Countryside Christian Church, met with a pastor there by the name of Charlie Fink, told him what I was doing, and he said, wait a minute. I need you to talk to Rich Babbitt. He's our men's guy. And so Charlie connected us, Rich. And so tell me about how you had already been investing in men and a part of this whole scene before you heard of Noble Warriors. So I was involved in men's ministry and then involved in leading men there. And quite honestly, leading men was basically having some Bible study and doing some breakfast sometimes and having a couple of events. It wasn't really relationship-driven. It wasn't really growth-driven. It was just about getting together with guys and you know you do the best you can there and that's what I was doing I didn't really have tools I didn't really have resources I really didn't have too much direction either yeah so uh, you know I, I did that for a few years uh, at a couple of churches ending in um, when I met you at journey yeah so you know what's interesting what you just said is we were doing some things so you had activities on the calendar right um, but that's what they kind of were, was activities. It was something so that we could say we have something going on for men that you could point them to, right. but not necessarily discipleship that was advancing them in their understanding of what it means to walk with Christ and, and lead well, which is our mission. Yeah, and there was no follow-up. There was just a event and nothing to hang on to afterwards yeah. to get them moving. Yeah. Wow, so we've already jumped into the meat of this. I don't normally do that that quickly, but they all kind of wander around. So um, tell me this. Give me uh, background on where you are in life right now. What's going on, family, business, life, that whole thing? Okay, so um, I work for SunTrust Merchant Services. Yeah. I do credit card processing. Uh, I work from home right now. Um, As my, do many of our listeners, yeah. That's right. My wife works uh, at Brandon Mills uh, Retirement Center, Yeah. and she goes to work every time she's vaccinated and all that good stuff. Yeah. So she's part-time. I'm full-time. Um, we have three adult children. Mm -hmm. We went to Tennessee for a little bit to see one of them, uh, Kristen. All right, wait a minute. For a little bit to see one of them. That wasn't a weekend trip. Now, let's, <laughs> let's give this context because okay. no one can— Yes. So we downsized from our house, moved to Tennessee for two years, lived in a two-bedroom apartment to see our grandchild born mm -hmm. and to stay with them for a while as they grew older. Yeah. So that happened um, for two years, and then we moved back just recently last summer uh, and kept on downsizing, and now we live here in Midlothian, and it's just us two. Uh, we have two other children, both boys, uh, Todd and Matt. Yeah. Now, downsize. So you moved out of a house with a yard into an apartment. Now you're in a condo. Right. So you haven't cut a blade of grass in like, what, three years? Three, three and a half years, two days and 17 days. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are paying attention to that because you hate the yard work. That's hilarious. So, um, yeah, but this has been a very different experience. It gives you some margins, right. some opportunity to do some different things with your life. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's good. fun. Well, let me let me jump into this. I um, I, I've been talking with guys from different stages of life about this idea, this question: What are men looking for? So, um, you and I kind of debriefed on this a little bit. We did a, a podcast with my son Zach and three of his buddies who are Gen Z guys, and and talked about their manhood journey. 
I talked with um, Mike Kamari, who's a youth pastor. He himself is a millennial discipling Gen Zers whose parents are Gen Xers. So we got to talk about the whole spectrum of what's going on with with manhood there. Then I interviewed uh, Brian Gullins, who's a contemporary of mine, a Gen Xer, uh, raising some Gen Z and millennial kids and also continuing to care for his parents. So uh, we talked about our manhood experience. But now you're a, a young, I want to make sure of that, Thank you're you. a young baby Thank you. boomer. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and, and so you're at a different stage in life. Um, and, and so I think it's fascinating to, to just, as you look back over this manhood journey, what do you see happening in our culture with just the whole idea of manhood? What, what's your perspective on that? So I thought about that. And so when I grew up, the word faith really wasn't used, but basically yeah. religion was going to church, going to Sunday school. And as I grew up as a, uh, a kid and a young adult, that's basically what relig- or faith or religion was, was going to church and you do church and, and you're good. Yeah. And as you grow up, our generation especially, um, as we grew up, we had to learn to do certain things with mm-hmm. our faith to see where they went. So we, there were decisions we had to make. There were relationships we had to build. There was prayer that we had to, to have to pray God's direction and mm-hmm. things. Uh, and eventually led to desiring and looking for relationships with men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I grew up. I don't know mm-hmm. if every boomer grew up that way, but I think we were kind of founded in the um, the basics of um, the morals and, mm-hmm. and all the tenets of some standard faith um, building blocks that we grew up with, and those building blocks have been tumbled over. Right. So now our kids and our grandkids are growing up with um, things that are basically no right and wrong. Right. And and that's the hard thing to adjust and to look at the younger generations, all the generations be- below me, to see the things they're facing and, yeah. and, and what are they basing right and wrong on. Yeah, so we've moved from... Um, you at least had some exposure to a standard of truth. Um, and, yes. and through your church experience, regardless of whether or not you embraced it or folks embraced it, at least they were exposed to it for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so there was, there was some, some continuity there. But now with situational ethics and my reality may be different from your reality and right. what feels good to me. And so it's just all over the place now. And it's interesting, when we grew up, the standards weren't only dictated in church, mm-hmm. but the neighborhood, the yeah. neighbors, the friends. Basically, most of society held on to those same um, basic morals. Yeah. And, and did you get spanked as a kid? I did not. Were you that good? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I was just curious. No, I didn't. If, in if... fact, I can't remember my parents spanking. Really? Yeah. So because that, that's, and pretty that's probably much a hallmark. Yeah, that it would is. be and my, unusual. You know, my dad was World War II vet, and yeah. usually the war, the war dads were the ones yeah. who would spank, but we were not a spanking family. That's intriguing. Yeah. I was going to ask if the neighbor's mom ever spanked you, because that's one of the stories <laughs> that we hear all the time from folks in this generation that, you know, I, I knew that I was going to get spanked by my mama and his mom and everybody if I did what? something. And so everyone was watching out, and yeah. they all had a similar standard. They did. And they held accountability in common. In common. Yeah. That's the key word, in common. Yeah. Because now everything's uncommon. Yeah. Now everything is just all over the place. As a matter of fact, I've got this premise that I've been uh, kind of bringing up with with guys in this um, in this series of podcasts 
So here's my premise. Manhood is confused and corrupted in our culture and in our time. I find that many young men and young women are uncertain about what manhood really is and are fearful to even explore the topic because every time they bring up manhood, someone says toxic masculinity, and that just throws a monkey wrench. And so no one really knows what manhood should be or what it's what the goal is of manhood. Yeah, it's definitely not offered anywhere in society. Yeah. I mean, with a few exceptions. Yeah, and so I find that this is a, you know, what we talk about through Noble Warriors, the whole idea of it, it, just using the term manhood is countercultural, but sadly, there are many churches that aren't dealing with this, and right. so it's even counter-church culture in so many cases. So It is. So, And, you know, another factor in here is that with technology mm-hmm. over the last uh, 10, 15 years, we're better connected, but we're more alone. Yeah. And, and you know, there is a quote that says, uh, all Satan needs is your time alone to, to, reach, to reach you. Yeah. And, and, you know, we see this all over, everything from pornography to alcoholism to drugs to um, anything, addiction, everything's out there is has a better opportunity because we're more alone. Yeah. And so that's a new challenge for all generations. You know, I this is an odd thing for me to bring up. I haven't brought it up with anyone else before, but in Virginia right now, I know all of our listeners aren't in Virginia, but in Virginia right now, there's a lot of activity and rhetoric around gambling. Mm, there are multiple right. casino um, development plans being reviewed by, I think four different cities now have voted to allow casino gambling yeah. and that sort of thing. And so I'm also seeing billboards. I bet I've seen a dozen billboards in the last week inviting uh, Virginians to participate in um, online gaming and all sorts of stuff. And so when you talk about all Satan needs is your time alone, well, that becomes another addictive behavior and a hole that men can fall into and destroy their lives because they get caught up in trying to win back what they've lost. True. It's a dangerous trap. Yep. So, um, well, let me let me do this. I'll, I'll move us forward here with this um, with this Bible passage that I've been reading to guys during this um, during this series. It's from First uh, Kings chapter two. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, "I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and keeping His statutes, His commandments, His rules, and His testimonies." as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And I grabbed that passage because David says to his son Solomon, be strong and show yourself a man. Mm Mm-hmm. I think when we say that to young people today, they would say, I'm not sure what that's supposed to look like. I don't know what that is. So as a boomer, did you have a real clear concept of what manhood was? I think in our generation, maybe yes, it wasn't the right one. Yeah. It, it was growing up and doing certain things that made you feel like a man. Um, it wasn't really growth as far as a spiritual growth. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said before, we basically went to church and Sunday school, and that was about it. It wasn't l- about learning how to become more discipled as a discipline. Right. As yeah. A, as, as a disciple. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't really, I don't, I don't really have that. I didn't really have a strong father role model, but I had two older brothers that kind of 
were an image of what it was going yeah. to be like to be a man. So you at least have a, had a picture of practically what men should do. Yes. And, and how would you describe that? Provider? Provider, worker, um, uh, relationship person. Yeah. Um, um, having a work ethic, uh, getting involved in sports, having fun, you yeah. know, um, yeah. just being a guy. Some of those things. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm going to pause here. Rich has said, this is not about me, but I, I have to tell you that he wrote a book. What's the title of the book? From Paperboy to Boomer. Yeah. And so actually Rich wrote this book and we're going to tell you why he wrote it in just a few minutes, but it's about the entrepreneurial skills, the people skills, right. the work ethic yep. that a lot of young baby boomer, boomers learned from mowing grass in the neighborhood and right. throwing papers. Right. So, 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 the, so the premise of that is something that the kids these days have nothing to do with mainly is that we grew up and it was a common thing. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't an exception is you basically made money to do things as a kid. Right. And this is, I'm not talking like a 16, 17 year old. I'm talking like 12 and 13 years old. Right. So we grew up not because mom and dad said you need to go to work and earn money. It's because we knew that if you wanted to earn money, you had to work. Yeah. If you want to go to movies on Saturday yeah. or if you want to buy a Coke at the yeah. store, I mean, you couldn't go to dad, the ATM. Right. So, so we learned um, the skills you talked about. Yeah. There's 10, 10 plus different skills that I identified, but we learned that that work means rewards. Yeah. And and that is part of manhood, mm -hmm. uh, and it's part of growing up, and it's part of how we became the generation we are. Mm -hmm. Because the boomer generation, by the way, is born between 1946, 1964. Mm -hmm. That group of guys and girls, but mainly guys because we're focusing on men, that group knew how to work. So yeah. when they went to the workplace, they had this whole backpack of skills yeah. on their back that they exemplified when they started working. And so many of today's kids have no work experience. Right. And so they show up to their first job and it's they have to be taught everything. There's there's right. no sense of work ethic. So and we and we could go on and on with that, but I, I want to I want to move the story forward because when when we got connected and Noble Warriors was launching, mm -hmm. we got introduced to a curriculum, a tool called the Quest for Authentic Manhood. Right. That Change. showed you some things and uh because you were one of the first groups to participate in it we were right. meeting i think on tuesday mornings at six o'clock at journey christian church at, that's right at the time or it was countryside i guess yeah, still then um so what did you learn from that curriculum that changed the way you see the whole idea of manhood i would say um uh, it showed my weakness but it also showed my possible strength yeah um you know, the four tenets that he teaches is lead courageously and um, live for the greater good and reject passivity uh, and accept responsibility. Right. Yep. Um, I grew up I, I grew up and still am kind of passive. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I have to fight. It's an uphill battle. Yeah. And for those who are passive or passive aggressive, uh, that's something that we have to deal with. And, and particularly in, in our marriage, I had to deal with not staying mad and being passive aggressive for three or four days or more. Right. And learned that I had to shorten that time frame. And even though I couldn't react directly, it, the time frame shortened to hours instead of days or weeks. Right. So that was one thing. Um, but also just to invest in others. I mean, yeah. I, 
you know, going going to Sunday school and things like that is is learning, but investing others when we got men's fraternity together, it was always a mixed bag. It mm-hmm. was always twenty to thirty uh, years difference in everybody there. Right. So you had older men leaning to younger guys right. trying to figure out this manhood thing yeah. and learning something um, biblically based. Yeah. But with practical application, yeah, and that's that's what authentic manhood did, um, and it had, had gave gave me a chance to impact others, uh, not just at the very beginning, but even you know recently was able to impact my son-in-law because yeah. when we moved to Tennessee, he became part of our group, and and he was not taught by me per se, but he was in an environment where men were talking um, just mature. Christian decision making. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to go back to this passive thing. Yeah. Because uh, we see that in Adam in the garden, don't oh, yeah. we? Yeah. I mean, that's if if you. One of the things I talk about over and over again in men's ministry is you have to live in Genesis one, two, and three. Because if you if you read Genesis one, two, and three and see the blueprint God's design for man and how Adam messed it up right. and what the curse is, you will have incredible perspective on what goes on in your life and your marriage and your family because it's all right there. It all comes back to Adam's failure to engage that serpent, Satan, when he reached out to Eve. Yeah, he became passive. He stayed passive, the the whole thing. Exactly. Exactly. And he blamed. Exactly. And and, and so that's, guys, I I just would encourage you, make sure you're digging into Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Take a week and read every day Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and just Write down what you're learning there because you're going to see these patterns in the God's original design, what he told Adam to do, and then how Adam failed. And then you can jump from there to how Jesus fulfilled all that Adam failed in. So um, that's a big point. So so let me add something. So you talk about failing to do what God yeah. told him. That's basically our challenge. So one of my verses I like is in Psalm uh, 16, where uh, in verse 11, uh, that God makes known the path to me. Yeah. But that only happens if I'm in a relationship with God. If I'm yeah. seeking that, he's going to provide it. If I don't seek it, it's going to be hidden or obscure or whatever. And so Adam didn't seek God. He, he mm-hmm. actually yeah. saw it the other way. He yeah. ran away from God spiritually. Yeah. And that's what we do. I mean, we, yeah. do, we do that, and we run away, and, and we... We head the other way and become passive in our not only in our relationships but in our relationship with God. Yeah, and when we do that, our wives and our children are watching. Oh yeah, and they begin to follow our example sometimes and run away from hard things or difficulties, and so we have trouble communicating in hard places at hard times. Right, and the kids are uh, the kids are taught. Yeah, uh, not by what's taught but what was caught yeah exactly so let me um in this you began to invest in your sons Mm -hmm. differently as well talk about what when you when the second year of men's fraternity is called winning at work and home Mm -hmm. and um there there are encouragements for things that guys should do as dads and all and you started doing fathering a little bit differently as you worked through the men's fraternity series didn't you yeah so there are one thing i remember specifically learning and applying is that every boy wants to hear from his dad yeah i love you and i'm proud of you and you're good at something 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 and so i purposely 
did that in in different times in their lives. Let me ask you this: Did you ever hear that from your dad? No. Very very rarely. Yeah. And so I think you you mentioned your dad was a World War II vet. Right. I was with another guy last night whose dad was a, a World War II. I mean, actually dropped into Normandy on D-Day. Wow. Um, and so. I just think about that because one of the the marks of the boomer generation is that their parents were the World War II generation. Right. And many of those guys especially came back so hardened by what they experienced that the expression of love was very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's not surprising that there would that that would be something that wasn't up front. It was probably assumed. It was probably assumed. assumed that you knew that. Sure. Um but there's a difference between how you feel as a son when that's assumed versus when it's actually heard and felt. And I wonder if that void that some of us had might have been responsible for us learning how to work as a young kid because yeah. we kind of had to you compensate for that. Compensate for it and learned it ourselves, but uh, it kind of put us in a position to grow a little earlier. Yeah. So let me ask you this: when we, when we started the men's fraternity stuff, you were probably I'm going to guess mid 40s. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, did you yeah. ever say, wow, I wish I'd been exposed to this when I was... Oh my gosh, yes. Why? <laughs> um, broken relationships, yeah. uh, divorce, um, failures from learning just a, a little part of that would have helped a whole lot because I was, I was, um... Ignorant, I guess, is a good mm-hmm. word. I was ignorant of of any of those attributes. Yeah, that I learned in my forties and fifties. Um, I just didn't have a clue. I I was just winging it as a husband, winging it as a dad, winging it as a young adult. So you can't go back and change any of that, right? And God redeems everything. I, that, that, that's part of the message. We serve a God and we follow a God. We walk with a God who is in the redemption business. So yeah. whatever troubles we've had, whatever mistakes we've made, God can redeem that and to turn it into something glorious and for his good. So looking back, how has God redeemed some of the things that you look back at and say, oh my goodness, if I had just known then what I know now, I wouldn't have done this. So how has he redeemed it and allowed you to use those stories to encourage others? So I'll go to Jeremiah 20, 29, 11. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that, you know, God, God will provide a way and has a future for me and yeah. one of hope. Yeah. Um, been through a couple of hopeless times in my life. Yeah. Uh, and for my spiritual growth and and knowing that God is a God of second chances and third yeah. third chances for yeah. me um, to know to even imagine as a single dad that one day I might marry a Christian woman who is wonderful and loves me and we just share the same bond and uh, in addition to that have two beautiful kids and four yeah. grandkids never would have even come across my mind yeah uh, so you know, life life gives you a journey that looks a lot of like dead ends sometimes. Mm-hmm. God is not in the dead end business. Yeah, that's so. exactly right. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little bit personal. I thought you just were. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I may get more. So I have watched you love and care for and sacrifice for your stepson. Hmm. 
and walk with him through some very difficult places in his life mm-hmm. and care for him in some amazing ways. And you've done that with a selfless spirit. How has he responded to that? Um, so he got a second chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were never really separated mm-hmm. except for where he went mm-hmm. in his life um, for decisions he made. Um, but I always, um, I always loved him and I always knew, and I think I spoke this to him also that, yeah, I did, because I remember I wrote something to him mm-hmm. also, um, that I knew that at the end of this hill or valley, at the end of this valley, that he would succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and I spoke success into him. I spoke hope into him. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife and I went through some hopeless time with mm-hmm. him, but we, we kept loving him. Mm-hmm. And so he... Um, has redeemed himself mm-hmm. and he's been redeemed by God. And, uh, he, you know, he has a very strong respect for mm-hmm. me. Um, while he was going through that, I probably said things that were ugly and said things that he didn't want to hear, but they were true. Um, and I think now that he is an older adult, he's mm-hmm. in his thirties, he, he has seen wisdom mm-hmm. and he respects it and honors it. Mm-hmm. I just have always admired that part of your story, huh. that you stood by him and cared for him, spent a lot of money trying to help him. Mm-hmm. I, I think about Kathy's response to that and and what she saw you doing as her husband and a stepfather. Well, I think it really gave me the, the field or the arena. It gave me the mm-hmm. arena to be the noble man mm-hmm. it gave me the arena to to love unconditionally to to still love and and trust and speak positive words into a negative situation mm-hmm. um and you know kathy um kathy was impacted by that mm-hmm. uh and she you know she knows that uh i love him just as my child that was, yeah. that's never been a doubt yeah well, I, I've just always been blessed by that. And you talk about uh, breathing life into him. I, I love 1 Corinthians fifteen forty five, um, and and this is about Jesus. It says, "Thus it is written: the first man, Adam, so that's the Adam of Genesis, became a living being; the last Adam became a life giving spirit." And so, if we're going to bring a positive perspective and a sacrificial love to everything, every situation, then that's living like Christ. That's showing Christ. Even when he didn't want to see your Jesus, yeah. he was seeing it yeah. In, yeah. in the way that you loved him and sacrificed for him. And so so I, I really wanted to go there because, guys, some of you are listening and you're thinking, I, and, and, and this is this is the whole point of what I want to do with this section of the podcast, and that is we need to connect the generations around this issue of what is biblical manhood and how do we live it out? Because you heard Rich say, I was winging it, man. I didn't know what I was doing. And if he had had some help when he was 20 with some of this information, it would have made a difference in your life. It would. And and can I tell you that most of the guys that I talk to that get exposed to true biblical 
concepts about manhood and masculinity and begin to allow God's word and Jesus as the ultimate model of manhood to transform the way they do life, they say, holy cow, if I'd known this 20 years ago or five years ago or yesterday, I would have done something different. And so to you seasoned men who are listening to this, many of you look back at your life and you say, you know what? I've made so many mistakes. I've not been where I felt like I should be. I've, I've missed on some things. I have nothing that God can use. That is Satan speaking to you because God will use all of those things your experiences now open wounds are a problem if you haven't resolved what's going on in your life and you've got an open wound that's still bleeding that's a problem you need to keep working on that but if you've got the scars to show that you have been healed Mm. by christ as a result of some battles that you've been in some decisions that you've been in then those scars become the stories and the credibility that give you posture with younger men who could be making the very same mistakes that you're making. You want to respond to that? I think I'll go deeper than that. So I think what has also happened in men's fraternity that I've been involved in is that when you have that generational blend and you have a spirit-led meeting on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and you start to dig deeper because one thing guys do not want to do is they don't want to get into a deep relationship yeah they don't want to put the junk Talk, on the table in front of anybody sports weather yeah politics anything else we'll talk to you later but the the curriculum and the exposure of what's in there i can remember specific times that we automatically like in one evening got so deep and men started talking about sins mm-hmm. that they had, that they were wanted to forgive, um, and they just really got so much at a deeper level, not in a scary way, but in a, a growth way, and in, in, in something that you know it just it just grew, and it also made the group stronger, but also more importantly, it made each individual st- stronger. Yeah, and, and and so guys, so many guys, like you said, are afraid of what that's going to turn into. Right. <clears throat> but once they get there, they realize how freeing it is and and how much it accelerates their growth, their their personal growth, their understanding of God's plan for them, their understanding of how they love how to love their wives as Christ loved the church, mm-hmm. their understanding of how to invest in their kids. Um and and you start taking you start exposing those sins and shining light into dark places. And Satan has to flee. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to give up and stop trying to trip you up and take you out. But the more truth you bring into the equation, the more light you shine into your life. And and we need the help of other men for that. We need somebody that's going to call BS on us when we start lying. Yeah. Um, Because guys... It's about accountability. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just... I, I want to ask you next about your experience of going... You left here and went to Tennessee, right. and so you show up in the church in Johnson, Tennessee, Johnson City, Tennessee, and how did you go about getting a 33 group started? Um, so each fall, they, there's a new sign-up session for small right. groups, so I went to the pastor and showed him the material, asked him if I could help lead, and there was a, there was a gap missing there, as it is in a lot of churches, um, so... You know, he, he approved of it, and 
we maybe started with three guys. Yeah. And I think we ended up with about nine or ten, which, you know, and, and in that environment, again, you, you learn relationships, you, you blend the generations, and you um, you get real. Yeah. All right, I boy, you just set me up. I'm going to I'm going to hit one over the fence right now, guys. So, listen, did you hear that that Rich said he went and talked to the pastor, showed him what he would do, ask if he could lead it. So, he he kind of put himself out there. He didn't say, "Pastor, I want you to do this." He said, "I'm willing to do this if you would allow me." Essentially got permission for you to do something. Right. And then and then he said we started with three guys. Now, I'm going to poke some of you right in the eye. Because I have lots of guys that say, oh, I would do something for men, but if I can't get more than like 10 or 12 guys, I'm not going to do it. Well, you're a fool. <laughs> you are a fool. I, and I'm, I'm, I just don't have any patience for it because we need to be willing to start with whoever God brings around the equation. You might not be ready to lead 10 or 12 men yet. You may be capable of leading two or three, and those two or three may, need, may be the exact ones that need the wisdom that you have right now. So don't, guys, don't, don't belittle small beginnings um, because if you're willing to step out and try something and only a couple of guys respond, as a matter of fact, the whole idea of asking for volunteers is probably not the most biblical thing anyway. I would encourage you to prayerfully ask God, who should I invest in? As a matter of fact, I would, man, if any of you out there would pray, God, would you give me one man or two men that I could spend some time with, that I could sow into, you will be amazed at how much that blesses those guys. But I would be willing to bet you that the multiplied blessings will be yours. When you begin to invest in the lives of other men, then all of a sudden you you think you're going to do something good for them, but it end up, ends up being an incredible gift to you. So, um, guys, don't don't wait. Figure out some way. If you need help from us, man, I'll give you Rich's contact information, and he'll help you get launched yeah. with yeah. 33, tell you about men's fraternity. We've got Better Man. I love Point Man. I mean, they're just great resources, and if you... If you're listening to this and God is stirring your heart to say, you know what, I really should be investing in some other men, then shoot us an email. Let us know. Resor- or I, I don't know what the email is. I guess we'll put it in here on somewhere. Probably uh, office at noblewarriors.org, mike.young at noblewarriors.org. Let us know, and we will help you get connected with some great resources so that you could do some individual discipleship. And um, Because, guys, I, I'm telling you, especially older men, Younger men, we're living in a time when manhood is confusing, and you could help bring some clarity to that by sharing your life with some younger men. Yep. Any final comments on that? Uh, no. I, you know, you made a good point that it's not about your expectations of numbers yeah. or whatever. And if you are deciding to lead, it's not about you. Yeah. It is about others. And you actually, you, a sign-up list isn't going to do it. Yeah. You, you have to have a uh, individual conversation with with each one there was one of the guys in in tennessee was an african-american guy that was maybe the fourth guy that i talked to and turns out he's a elementary school teacher and uh didn't know much about him but but he was hungry and i asked him he showed up and he he grew so much in that in that one year that he was there and just see him he was responsible for some ministries i didn't know about so he was a strong christian but didn't have the platform to um work it yeah so it does give 
you know, that's what this does. It gives a, an area where guys can work what they have. Yeah. And it, it God's math is multiplication. It's right. not addition. And so when you invest in someone else, it gets multiplied in the way it plays out in their lives. Yep. So uh, you want to be part of that. Hey, I want to finish with some really fun stuff. Um, Rich has a background in um, in the restaurant business. Yeah. Lots of he he is a systems thinker. It is amazing to me. I'm not really a good systems guy, but Rich would go in and he if you ate lunch at any of our conferences over the last 10 years, then probably 90% of the time, Rich was the one behind the scenes making sure that you got your Chick-fil-A sandwich or your Subway sandwich or whatever. And so, um, man, I've seen apples being thrown around <laughs> and cookies. And there's a, tell me yeah. about the organization of the box, about the cookie and the chicken sandwich. Why, why do things get placed in a particular way, Rich? So in a Chick-fil-A box meal, you have a cookie, you have a chip, you have the sandwich. And the the sandwich we put in last, right? And we put it on top of the cookie. So because when the when by the time you get your box lunch, the cookie is not just a regular chocolate chip; it's a melting chocolate chip cookie. It's a nice warm one. And putting the chip to the side, it doesn't get crushed over there. And um, there's a there's a rhyme and reason for everything. I just love that. So you folks who don't pay attention to what you're doing, you just chuck everything in a box. I'm telling you, there is a pro tip right there. Put the hot sandwich on top of the cookie. Let it heat up the cookie. You got a happy customer right there. Throw a couple of chunks of chocolate in there yep. for some dessert. A little extra, a little mint. It's a big time. So... Guys, if you've eaten a Chick-fil-A sandwich at one of our conferences, Rich is the one that made that happen. So um, I just am thankful, Rich, for your <laughs> investment. You serve on the board of No Warriors, have for a number of years, and uh, you've given to the ministry you've served. And um, you not, don't only just hang around, you put into practice what you um, what we're all about and invest in others, and I'm thankful for that. So thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks. It's a fun ride being here. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, listen, guys, this concludes episode number 48 of the Noble Man podcast. Uh, next week, we are going to start a new series called How Do We Reach Men? And so for five weeks, we're going to be talking to some men's ministry leaders from across the country, some friends of mine from the National Coalition of Ministries to Men who have given their lives to helping churches disciple men. So be on the lookout for that next uh, series of the Noble Man Podcast. God bless you, folks. Thanks so much.